The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, Major Professional Events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Greetings, friends. Welcome to the TWBC podcast, and thank you for listening. On the day that this podcast is released, it will be five days away from the 2021 Swiss Pro Slalom event. Making a rare and even a possible first appearance in that event is the subject of this podcast. But don't let that lead you into believing that he is a less than capable athlete. He is the current world overall champion, Martin Coleman from the Czech Republic. Not only is he a great skier, but he is also a highly capable technical controller who has been called upon numerous occasions to survey and measure courses around the world. We caught up with him while he was busy helping skiers demo some of the new good product out at Bennett's Water Ski School in Zachary, Louisiana. And he has an intriguing story to tell. Sit back and listen to this first of a two-part interview with one of the best triple threats on the water today. Enjoy. Welcome uh, to the TWBC podcast, uh, uh, Martin uh, Coleman. And uh, glad to have you on board. Well, a lot of people uh, said that last season was an an odd season in a number of different ways. But now we're actually on an odd numbered season. And for every one of those seasons comes the World Championships, which is still the the highlight of event in overall skiing. And uh, I mean... I mean, whenever whenever it turns January the first on an odd numbered year, what I mean, what kind of goes through your mind a little bit? Well, uh, every year is a little different, and um, this year, you know, January first comes along, and I'm like, I hope we get some snow in the mountains. So I was in Ogden in Utah all winter, and when it uh, kind of have a good off season um usually for me the season starts like mid-february and from then on it's uh it's i want to get on water i want to ski as much as i can and get ready for the world so yeah every year is different but um this year that's how it kind of played so obviously the pressure starts to ramp up a little bit as you get further along into the season. I mean, you're, you're not just a you're, you're not just an above average slalom skier. I mean, you're, you're putting in runs of close to eleven thousand, if not in excess of. You're jumping, I think, over sixty meters. You're well in excess of two hundred feet. You're the current world overall champion as a result of those skills. But you know, I mean, how hard? I mean, how hard is it for you to train at that level? 
to be the very best in overall skiing because you have to train in not just one event and you have to train all three don't you yeah so i try to you know ski on the water as much as uh, as possible um you know five to six days a week three to four sets a, a day uh just depending on the time and stuff but it's not uh for me it's not once i can ski on the water the whole training comes the preparation starts you know usually in november doing all the stuff in the off season the gym the snow skiing you know it's a lot of things that uh that happen before you actually can start training on the water for me all right then uh here here's a doozy for you uh as you as you as you chug one of those uh, corona extras back you know uh, a little a little bit of a uh, a nod to uh, to the interesting times that we have got to have a corona these days you know yes indeed <laughs> with everything else going on but i mean uh it was it was probably said back in the day that that the the premier event that that people were basically aiming aiming for i mean we're talking like 70s 80s type deal i mean you had guys like carlos suarez you got like mike hazelwood patrice martin carl Rebej, mick neville sammy duval all of all of those people uh and i mean they were competing in in overall and not so many overall skiers these days and i honestly don't think that overall gets the respect that it deserves would do you think you agree with that with that sentiment um I think that a lot of uh, a lot of things uh, in life these days are, you know, instant gratifications. You want to have it right here, right then. Um, overall, for me, it's just kind of choice of life, a lifestyle. I want to do all three events as best as I can. Um, you know becoming a world champion was my dream for since i skied and um i would never be able to pick one or two events to focus on um unless i did the third event um even if i it can be a great sunny day and i take one ski ride it's awesome but there is something missing. So, so you find overall skiing more therapeutic than anything else, would you say? Uh, probably just I've done it for so long and it just, you know, all, all three events uh, have different adrenaline, different, completely different physique level. And just doing all three events every day and getting better at each event separate, but then being able to see the overall score growing um, drives me to do it every day. Okay, and let me throw this one at you. I mean, obviously we, we dealt with the, with the more therapeutic uh, uh, repercussions of actually competing in the over, overall competition, but I mean, you're an above, above average slalom skier. I mean, you could definitely hold your own with a, with a lot of those 
with a lot of those skiers but and i suspect that the answer to this question kind of goes back to the previous question i mean what and I mean, why don't you specialize? I mean, because I mean, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of prestige and still still quite a bit still quite a bit of coin to be made just by slalom skiing. Yeah, I don't think that a professional water skiing as such it can be sustainable for a person. Like, yes, you can win a lot of tournaments but the expenses that you go through the travel the hotels the entry fees um at the end of the day you're not making that much money unless you get a good sponsorship uh you get a boat sponsorship you get outside of a sport sponsorship or stuff like that that you could make it work for me i look at the price money more like it's great if I win some cash, it helps, of course, but it's not my main goal. My, my main goal is to win a tournament. I don't look at the money side of it. That's why I have a full-time job. I'm very happy for my job and it lets me ski. It lets me be in the sport and just the way I figured it out, this is how it works for me. But going to tournaments thinking, oh, I can make a couple grand here, I can make a couple grand there. Um, I just don't look at tournaments like that. Okay, actually, let's jump ahead to that to that question to that obvious question. Uh, I had that down on the, on the list here, and one of the questions I was going to ask later is, what what do you do for work? So tell the good folks out there, what do you do for work outside of skiing? So I work for Good Ski Technologies out in uh, Ogden, Utah, and uh, I do a lot of things. I uh, help build war skis. So if when we get busy, when we, you know, need uh, comp finish orders and stuff, I'll jump in, do regular production. Um, right now, I'm doing more the uh, good demo days which bring our product to lakes around the nation and just try to get as many people on our product try our skis we have uh, four different lines up of slalom skis and it might be difficult for people to pinpoint what ski they want online so that's why we're doing the demo days uh, we go to the lake, people can try whatever they think they might want. Uh, if it doesn't, if they don't like it, they can try another kind. We have the XDR, we have the 9970, we have the Revo CC and we have the Wide Ride. So there is a lot of different skis and f some people might like one, some people might like all three and it just gives them the opportunity to try them all. So it basically likes like trying out a set of golf clubs type type deal, whether you would want to go for as long a shaft, stiffer shaft, uh, larger sweet spots, more sweet spot, you know, just try and try different elements of different skis to get you closer to the ski that you want, correct? Yes. Yeah, for, uh, so even from my personal view, um, 
the best way to know which ski you like is to try it get on it ski it um there is at the good demo days there is no um hard feelings if you don't like the ski i i personally understand that some skis are made for some people and other skis are made for other people uh the the be the greatest thing is to be able to try each ski and then pick what you like uh and if you like it we'll take your order and build it and obviously if the, if if they didn't particularly like a skier at that time they could still circle back around and try that ski again to see if that that would actually suit more of their needs going down the line wouldn't you agree yes so i had a uh my personal experience i uh tried a ski when i was probably 14 15 years old and i think i ran two buoys on that ski and then two buoys total two buoys total huh yeah just couldn't ski on it just pull out to the gates on like a 13 meter pass roll in and the ski didn't work for you uh, i turned one ball i couldn't turn my offside to save my life and i'm like well this ski isn't for me you know and a couple years after that i tried the, uh, a newer version of their ski and i turned two ball great and i skied on that ski for a couple of years excellent stuff all right so between you and daniel advarko and uh, adam saddlemeyer you represent some of the uh, the best water skiing talent in the world and we're all from the czech republic which i don't know whenever whenever you look upon the list of the great sporting nations from across the world probably the czech republic doesn't really feature that highly unless unless you want to uh include someone like esther ladetska into in into the mix so so far as water skiing is concerned why is the czech republic so good well i think um adam and daniel they were the first out of the czech republic to go to college in the us and to make a decision to go to a different country um on a water ski scholarship it's a big decision to get past your parents and all that uh stuff so um for me coming to the us i was coming to ski i knew i'll get educate good ed education but my main goal was to ski so once i was in uh, monroe i wanted to ski every chance i got if i didn't have class i was at the lake if i you know if it was cold and nobody else wanted to ski i wanted to ski so stuff like that i think it just uh, it just made them realize okay we're here trying to you know live our dream and let's make the best out of it and the possibilities we got in monroe starting just pushed us further and further to get where we are all right then speaking of ulm uh the warhawks i mean you uh when did you ski on that team what years do, what are we going to cover with that uh 2012 2013 2014 2016 and i was a ga in 2017 
and I mean, you came over to the United States with uh, with a better than average knowledge on how to survey a course and how to do all the technical controlling stuff, or at least most most of it. And and the story and the story that I hear a little bit it concerns you being a graduate assistant. Uh, in an architecture class, wasn't it? Uh, that they, they you took a few of the undergraduate students and said, "Okay, let's let's survey this course." And what what was their reaction to someone from the Czech Republic showing them the ropes from from that perspective? Yeah, I uh, I did not expect that one. Um, so I went. I at the time I knew how to how the survey works. Um, I helped my dad since I was a little kid so I had a general idea I didn't have any of my equipment I uh, roughly knew what's supposed to happen um, but we were having a tournament at the bayou and I was like okay do we have a total station around the school so I went to the construction department and talked to the professors there they let me borrow their total station and a, a total stations if you like yeah yes same thing yeah uh, just different English um, and uh, they you know asked when I'll survey and all that and I told them and at the time I showed up to the lake I'm like okay I'll just figure this out and suddenly a whole class shows up and they're asking questions and I'm like I'm trying to learn it myself but this is what I'm gonna do and this is how it's gonna work so uh, I surveyed that course and I was always you know interested in making every course to be better um, figuring out which course is the best for each lake because there is a lot of variables um, even at a perfect site you know you might have earthquakes how do you how do you get uh, a course that will not move or that settles in in the right spot because if the ground shakes your anchors will move at the bottom of the lake I'm not, not aware that, I'm not aware that there were that many tournaments that experienced the seismic activity well, like, there are just different places around the world and, you know, uh, some places are more active than others and it might not affect your leg, but if you're putting a new, brand new leg, brand new course, you might as well think about that. You know, do you want to go back 10 years later and move each anchor by 5 centimeters or do you just want to do a different type of course? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting one. Of I'm thinking of a few places which could be close to uh, to fault lines and have seismic activities. Maybe one or two of those are probably in Chile, with right right next to the Ring of Fire, I guess. Exactly. All right then. So uh, we've covered quite a bit. Of, we covered quite a bit of ground, but uh, and you spoke about your dream, which was to win the world, world overall championship. Yeah, finally, after uh -huh. being so close on a number of occasions. Uh, I mean, how many times were you actually on the podium 
in the overall competition before winning winning one uh, two years ago? Uh, I was on the podium in 2013. I got third. In 2015, I got second. So I was like, 2017, I'm getting first. It's you know, going according to the line and everything. And uh, yeah, France wasn't my spot. So I had to wait another two years to Malaysia to finally be first at the world. Okay, but having having succeeded in winning that world title two years ago, what is, what is there what is there left? You know, so far as higher higher echelon achievement within within overall or or, or even just any of the events. Um, I mean, events, you know, win win worlds again. Um, definitely, that's something that. Uh, is might be one and done for some people but the way i look at it i want to win it as many times as i can um try my best because i mean you're up against in terms of history you're up against adam saddlemeyer who won it twice i think pipe won it twice didn't he yeah so you're trying to win it a second time to get on level terms with those guys right yeah that's that's high level and Adam Settlemeyer has two world records to his name, so that's the next step. The 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 world the world record. The world so, record. So so how close have you been to the world record? I mean I mean has that been within within the recent uh, recent times? Uh, two or three years ago, I was within like forty to fifty points, like three or four times. So it just didn't didn't line up perfectly and you know that sometimes might be due to that i'm tcing the tournament that i'm trying to break a, break a world record at so so some so sometimes you're at your skin at the tournament that you're actually technical controller for is it from from what i've been able to gather i mean i mean i mean how is that even possible with 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 a potential conflict of interest in there I, I don't know i mean well i mean you have uh, you have all the data you have your survey from the course you have uh hopefully everything recorded on the dvr uh you have your scorer you know recording the times uh, you have your bow judge so there is ways to double check the world record uh -huh. that's why we have to submit a lot of information in the dossier in the dossier to be able to go back and double check everything but it's a lot more work or it's a lot of work that i'm doing a part of the scheme so i might be dealing with a you know a camera issue and i get it fixed and then somebody somebody that's helping me they go like hey you're up in two so i run to the dock i put my stuff on and i ski and you know i've been in this way many times and it just kind of keeps me busy during the tournament uh and i enjoy doing it i enjoy helping the tournaments to put them on to make them happen um, so that's just my choice. I never looked at it as, uh, you know, it's hurting my scores. 
course, maybe if I wouldn't put in two days of works, the 50 points would happen a couple times, but it just didn't. So I've been close uh, and uh, I, I honestly don't see the conflict of interest because we're not in a sport where you have professional judges, you have professional technical controllers. We're a sport that uh, a lot of people have been saying that it's dying for a lot of years, uh, but there is a growing interest from different countries, different people putting pro tournaments on and trying to grow the sport. And as athletes, you know, we gotta, we gotta look at um, how we can help the sport in any way. Like Vince started doing proper webcasting and would he, would he love to just go to a lake and ski? Yeah, but he sees the potential in a proper web webcasting growing the sport. I see the the potential in getting perfect course at a different site for a tournament. Mm -hmm. And if more people would do that, I think we would grow a little bit faster. Um, but it just depends, you know. I my view on our sport, it's not it's not a professional sport. You can't go, oh, I'm here just to ski. I paid 200 bucks and I'm gonna take my ride and go home. You know, who's gonna pick up the trash, who's gonna clean the site up after it's done, help uh, help all the all the organizers putting a lot of hours from uh, dusk to dark, getting a lake ready, you know. Uh, there is a lot of work that goes on. And I just don't feel like we're in a spot where we can pick one side or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it's certainly very admirable what you do. I mean, with the, with being a TC for a number of tournaments, and then, and then you having to hoof it to the dock to to get your slalom ski on or trick ski, or, or even worse, putting a whole whole equipment for for jumping, which which takes takes forever and an age. But in amongst all of that, I mean, what you you probably even answered this, but I mean, I'll ask you anyway, what 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 motivates you what what is your driving force that keeps you keeps you going within this sport huh i mean first thing is is to um to ski you know i love skiing i don't care if it's at a tournament at a backyard lake where nobody can watch you um it's just um i i love skiing i love all three events um and i i want to i want to ski on the best um under the best conditions that i can influence so if i can influence a course by spending a day surveying moving anchors and doing that i know it will help me in the long run to be able to ski on a proper course uh if i come to a lake where i know that people haven't jumped in a while i'll fix the ramp vex it 
even it out, make sure it's in the right spot, under the right angle, it's the right height, the right length, and that A, minimizes uh, the risk for my injuries and helps the site because there might be another person coming and asking, hey, is your jump all good to go? And if I set it up, they might be able to say yes. And if they say no, well, that guy might not jump. And then he might think, oh, it's too hard for me to jump because there is not a place there, you know. It just, uh, just different, yeah. Different motivators. Now, uh, last year, uh, one, one of the very few occasions that, that our paths crossed, you know, I saw you over in Charleston, South Carolina, over at Trophy Lakes and, and uh, drove over to shore. And there you were with, with Jerry Jackson trying to, to get the jump in position, you know, uh, the, the foldable Beeman's ramp, assembling that and just and putting putting the floats on, then putting the anchors, you know, and floating it out and putting it in the right in in the right position. Uh, obviously, it, it it's too much of a task for one person to do, but I mean, you, but I mean, you you get help uh, from 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 certain people, Jerry Jackson being one of them. So, and I mean, he's been surveying courses and putting buoys in for for donkey's years now. So how much have you been able to learn from him and be inspired by someone like that moving forward? Well, so like I mentioned before, my dad used to be a technical controller. Uh, and when I moved over to the state, um, you know, I didn't have a judge's rating. I didn't have a TC rating. So my idea was that I can TC a tournament, I can set it up all the day before, and then um, I'll be able to just ski in the tournament. That was very, very foolish idea of how TCing works. But um, Jerry was um, setting up tournaments at um, Corey's and, you know, I got a list from him of things that uh, that should be done before he comes to town and uh, so I just went down the list did I think most of the things uh, I didn't have time for some but then Jerry shows up and he's like well this is the most ready I've seen this place that's high praise and compliment huh yeah and I was like well you know I'm thinking about trying to get my TC rating and all that. And uh, he was like, okay, this is what you gotta do. So I went through the steps and uh, I, um, you know, six, seven months later, I think I got my TC rating or maybe it took a little longer, uh, but he's- is, Was this a national rating or, or, or an international rating? Uh, so at the time it was a senior TC rating so I had to do three t different tournaments uh, with three different TCs that all would sign off on it so I did uh, the tournament at Corey's I did a tournament at uh, the junior US Open at Greenies uh, and I did one more tournament 
think this was on a, this was on around about 2018 or something like that yeah no there was like 2012 2013 2012 that far back wow yeah 2013 i think i got my tc rating but yeah jerry just you know anytime you have an issue you call him he talks you through what to do how to fix it i mean he he just um knows so much about all the equipment we use how to use it uh lately you know with the sure path he spent tons and tons of hours just figuring out how it will be the best system to use it in our setting in our sport so it doesn't interfere with with other things um you know we can have either the sure path or we can have end course it just he he's been such a such a great uh tc person that um i was able to learn from and every time i i spend some time with him i learn from him and sometimes he's like you know i try to figure something out on my own and he goes oh that's that's pretty smart and the story about how he was able to prepare effectively for his winning world overall championship in 2019 will be answered right off the bat in the second and concluding part of this interview. Kudos to Martin for taking time out to be interviewed for this podcast and a big shout out to all you guys and girls for taking the time to listen. Take care and be sure to check out part two in the next episode of the TWBC podcast. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC podcast.